And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kewl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kewl. And yes, guys, don't panic. My, I don't have the beats on today. I, for some reason, I don't know if they died or they just stopped working. But uh, yeah, they're right here, completely useless at this point. Pooh Bear's, you know what? Pooh Bear's going to wear them right now. There we go. Pooh Bear can have them right there. There we go. I'm Tyler Kuehl on this Thursday edition of the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Helter Skelter, as my guest today would like to say. But we got a lot to get to today. But before we get to all the action, Game 7 tomorrow, Game 6 tonight, coaches being hired that are making me question all my morals in life. But before we get to that, we got to thank our awesome sponsors here on 12 Ounce Sports because you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Zingo TV channel 761. Of course, you can go on there and use the promo code 12 ounce. That's the number one, the number two, the letter O, and the letter Z or Z for you improper English users. And as always, we got to thank our cool sponsors for this show today. And that includes mybookie.ag down there in the corner. You can see them there. Use the promo code 12 ounce sports win and get paid. Sign up for free using the promo code because you can bet on a lot of stuff right now. The NHL playoffs, only a couple teams left, possibly. Maybe we'll have we'll have the finals getting ready for Monday's show. That's going to be a fun one. But also the fact that you can bet on basketball, you can bet on baseball, you can I think you can bet on the College World Series if you want. I don't know why you would. I think you can bet on the Euro, which is a bonkers tournament as it is. But you can go on mybookie.ag, win, and get paid on there. And as always, second string leather company up there in the corner. Hashtag crafted from the crease. Guys, I know we miss Father's Day, but it's okay. They got awesome deals on there for your wallets, your bathroom bags, your coasters, pillows, toques. They don't have raincoats yet, but here in West Michigan, you probably want one today, but you can get like a sticker to put on your raincoat so it can look like it's an official Second String Leather raincoat. Secondstringleather.com, hashtag crafted from the crease. What we're going to get to today, children, well, let me tell you what we're going to get to today. We're going to talk about how the Islanders, like I said, were not going to lose game six at Nassau Coliseum. They were not going to lose their possible last game in that building. So there's a game seven tomorrow. And we're going to talk about if the Canadians can actually do the thing for the first time in 28 years. I'm not going to say it yet because I don't want to jinx it because everyone knows I will. And also we're going to get into some news. A new coach, the first coach for the Seattle Kraken has been named today kind of questioning myself but i'll ask my guest what he thinks about that and with that let's bring him on in ladies and gentlemen he is the captain of the five timers club here on the kewl show he is the legendary broadcaster for davenport acha division one men's and women's hockey he is a member of the in the box podcast ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show thomas beyondo thank you thank you everybody really appreciate it thank you thank you oh thank you okay (laughs) One of these days, Thomas, you're going to get the fireworks. As soon as I get my own place that I can, you know, like do it outside and light up like bottle rockets in the background. Yeah. Then you'll get the you'll get the pyro then. I look forward to it. And I very much look forward to that. Well, that'll that, be great. Well, that'll actually be when you're, you'll actually be there, though. You'll like literally pan the camera to you walking in and like it'll be like Gilbert from the old WWF and like Alex will hold a sparkler and Katie will hold a sparkler. You walk like from the crappy garage we're gonna have or something still i'll take it i'll take it sounds like a a perfectly fine entrance to me it's better than the entrance in the entrances we ever get you know when we when we work at davenport together then again we never really (laughs) had entrances but thomas first of all how are you thomas i'm well tyler how are you doing sir well it's wet today it's supposed to be wet all weekend is it raining over there not a good weekend no 
Not a good weekend to go. Is it raining by you yet? It is not yet. Um, it looks like the the sky should be opening any moment now, but as of right now, we're looking okay. Let's say you're in St. Clair, so you're a little north of town. Oh, there's the baby ducks walking across. I can see them now. See, that's the problem. We were talking about busting air conditioners before we went live today. And I want, and I've actually, you know, for the last few days, I don't know how it is on, in St. Clair, Thomas, but I've had my, just my windows open the entire time. Haven't had to touch the AC. Yeah. However, this stupid rain was going straight down for the longest time. Now it's going sideways. So I actually had to close my window because it was getting on my printer and there's a painting that Kelly doesn't care for, but she has it anyways. And that was getting wet. <laughs> well, she said she doesn't care about it. And so I, I'm, I'm holding her to it. But anyways, yeah, I, I know. I've, I've been able to do windows at night. I've been able to go to sleep with the windows open, uh, save a little cash hole on the air conditioning. Uh, it is on now just because it, it's very humid on this side of the state. Um, humidity is off the charts, uh, and it has been most of the day. So, um, I, I, I'm sure that'll keep up. So it's going to be an air conditioning day today to be sure. Well, we've gone over this about, about a thousand times. You hit Lansing on the east side, from the east side to the west side. That's literally a definitive line of how the weather is. Yes. Now, completely if, different. Now, if it were, if it were Saginaw, Saginaw, because the weather patterns always seem to go from like Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids up into the bay. So like Saginaw and Midland up there. So they will get the same weather we do. However, for some reason, Detroit and all the southeast part of Michigan, yeah. Washtenaw County, Wayne County, it's like, you guys got snow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, we never. It's, you know, driving over from St. Clair Shores over to Grand Rapids to do the, the, the games. It's I. It's amazing the difference that I can hit at Lance in Lansing, um, right right around the Okemos exit usually up until um, you know if actually not the Okemos exit because if you if you the the the, the range is really yeah there to about the ninety six interchange yeah or the sixty nine interchange where sixty nine comes down that twenty mile stretch you you never know what you're going to, you're getting into and then that's what's going to carry through to, to Grand Rapids. It's it's weird. I still remember, I still and Kelly and I bring it up all the time. The first Red Wings game, the first time we went to LCA together, was Toronto versus little uh, the Red Wings. It was the first year of LCA. She drove her minivan because I had my Lincoln Town car that's never good in snow. She drove <laughs> it to I would say uh, just past Lansing. I'm trying to think like the first exit, not Okemos, but after that, I'd say we get closer to Novi maybe. Okay. And she stopped. We got we stopped at a rest stop. I drove in because she she can drive downtown, but if I'm available, she prefers right. me to drive. In the prefer not to. I get that. I absolutely get that. And then on the way back, and I had to pull the morning shift. I was working at retail at the time, but I had to be at work at 4 a.m. So we said, all right, I'll drive out of town. We'll hit Lansing or something like that. We'll find a good place to stop, get gas, and you drive the rest of the way. So we stopped probably, I think, at that Okemos exit. We stop and get gas. I get in the passenger seat. She gets in the van. She starts driving the rest of the way. I kind of, I fell asleep right away because I was exhausted. I woke up for like two seconds and I, we, she was going 25 miles an hour yeah. in a blinding snowstorm. Yeah. And I and still joke with her, but it's true. I went back to sleep thinking to myself, if I'm going to die, I don't want to live through this. I don't want to be awake. Yeah. You can, you can be shot. You can be shocked at that. Yeah. Wow. It's. And, and I bet you over here, it wasn't even snowing. So yeah. No, it wasn't. Pretty... Like, it was dry, drier than a fart yeah. coming, coming from Detroit. It's, it's incredible how different it is. Yes, it is. No doubt about it. 
So let's talk about the big news today, Thomas. Obviously, we'll get to the games here in just a little bit, but let's start off with the Seattle Kraken talk here. You know, we were there was rumors galore. I until he got hired by New York, I thought Gil, you know, Gilbert Gallant was going to, or excuse me, Gerard Gallant was going to go there to Seattle. I'm like, he's going to do it again with another expansion team, and they're going to be great. And then, okay, then he got hired. I'm like, well, Rick Tockett's available. He's not the best. And I don't, and John Tortorella is not going to be the guy to be an expansion team. Like, there's got to be someone else. And then today, while I was taking my pre show nap, Dave Hackstall has been hired as the first head coach of the Seattle Kraken. Now, this is a, an interesting pickup, Thomas, at least from my eyes. He, you know, he does have the experience. He coached for four years in Philadelphia, albeit it was not the best time to be a head coach for the Flyers. He sure. did have success coaching at the University of North Dakota. Recently, has been an assistant with under Sheldon Keefe alongside Manny Malhotra and Paul McLean in Toronto. So he's been around a pretty good group with the Leafs, but now he's getting another shot to be a bench boss, and it's going to be for a team that's going to have a massive spotlight on it next season. What is yeah. your initial thoughts on Hackstall being the guy for Seattle? Yeah, a little bit of surprise just because of the the lack of success in in Seattle or the lack of success in Philly, just because, because the Vegas really conundrum puts, puts added pressure on them. You know, if nobody, you know, Vegas making a run to the cup finals in their first year, like the expectation for Seattle should be, well, try not to be the worst team in the league, but because of Vegas, it's now, well, it's, is it, are are people going to look at it as a failure of a season if they don't make it to the cup finals in their first year? Cause that would be kind of ridiculous. So it, I never want to say it's, you, you don't want to start your franchise with a bridge coach. You always hope that you're going to start your franchise with the coach. that's going to be there for 10 years. Right. But it, it was a little bit of a curious situation given the fact that, you know, two of the, you know, never made it past the first round. So if Seattle was thinking long-term success with this coach, it's not there yet, but the always flip side of that is how many coaches do better at their second stop. They learned in their first stop, and now he can take what he's learned in his first stop and take that to a second stop. And so I'm, I'm sure that there's a little bit of that kind of logic and mentality into the hire. Right, and I'm looking at his numbers right now. He was fired during the 18-19 season, which was his fourth year with the club. You know, surprisingly enough, I, I say I say not successful, but they did make it to the first two rounds, like you mentioned. They made it in 16 and 18 to the playoffs, missed in 17. And, of course, 16 was the year that Steve Mason allowed that egregious slow-mo goal from the other end of the ice. But, you know, he does have the experience, like you mentioned, and it, it is tough to – it's a tough spot because, you know, we keep talking about, man, you know, NHL – the GMs around the league are not going to be fleeced like George McPhee and them did with Vegas, and it's going to be tougher for Seattle. And, you know, there's going to be good players available. It's not like the Kraken are going to get a bunch of bums like the Thrashers and Jackets and Wild right. used to back in the days. But it's – it almost seems like, you know, Vegas spoiled all of us. And what actually happens if what we all expected to happen to Vegas happens to Seattle? You know, I'm not saying the NHL wants to expand anymore because now they have 32 teams. They can do 16 in each conference. I'm pretty right. sure everyone's going to love to keep that for as long as possible. But sure. it's going to deter the league from ever really wanting to expand if they ever wanted to. I don't know. A 32 just seems like a lot as it is. And especially, you know, if they're going to keep the playoff format at 16 and eight on each conference. But 
it's so tough because this team may go 20 and whatever, Thomas, if they don't get yeah. the good players and if Haxtell can't get this group to play. That's why I'm thinking, hey, Gallant can do it. With, I mean, he did it. He did well in Florida with a younger group there. Huberto was still a rookie. Barkov was so unproven. And then he did it with the you know Golden Knights. Did he get a fair shake there at the end? Uh, I don't know, but they're doing okay with Pete DeBoer, I can tell. But I, it's tough because... I mean, it's hard. I, I like I like Hackstall. I like what no, he did it, with the Fighting Hawks. Or I had to say Fighting Hawks because when he was at the end, it was the Hawks, Thomas, sure. not the Sioux anymore, unfortunately. But you, he just never could find his footing. And that was a good team in Philadelphia. They still had Giroux and and a Voracek. Younger oh, younger Giroux, and he still yeah. put his points on crazy. Now, yes, he didn't have a goaltender, which didn't help. But albeit, it's well, yeah. Look at you know. Look at Nashville right now. They have a decent team, but they couldn't get us. Well, they couldn't get a save until UC Saros became the UC Saros that we all thought. But exactly. regardless, it's not going to be easy. And even I was looking at the article earlier from the Seattle Times. They said even when Seattle says, "Well, this is a surprise. We thought it was be someone else." And I'm like, if the city's apprehensive of their yeah. coach, well, hey, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't necessarily remember what, what Vegas's thought on Gerard Gallant was when that hiring was made. Right. Um, I do seem to remember it. I, I think it was kind of, um, I, I don't remember it being ill-received. I also didn't pick up the Vegas journal or whatever it's called to see what that take was, but, you know, getting, getting back to it, there, there's going to be a couple of things that's going to work into Seattle's favor though. And one is it, it's going to be a very interesting draft because you're right. Teams won't GMs in the league now won't want to get fleeced, but but. There's also the, the the cap situation, and COVID could end up benefiting Seattle. And in, in what I mean by that is that since the cap isn't going up, you sign contracts thinking that the cap's going to go up every year. Yep. And that's going to be your cushion. Is that, yeah, a $7 million deal, million dollar deal that, you know, back in 2019 might be an overpay, but if the cap goes up by $7 million, you've kind of offset that. Well, now we're not getting that. So teams that need to get rid of players, even though it's said that it's going to be a steep cost, they may be in some situations, somebody's going to be willing to pay it to open up a roster spot. I, I, I look at Tampa and even though they've used the majority of their draft picks, the one first round pick they have in the next two years, that with Tyler Johnson to get that 5 million off the books would be huge for them. Right. And the Seattle. And so it's not going to be as perverse, uh, as pervasive as it was before, but there is going to be, I think there's going to be some teams that need the cap relief and are going to pony up the draft picks. And then the other part is the, is the cultivation of the chip. Yeah. Look at the stats for Carlson, Marchessault and Riley Smith, the, th- you know, the years before they get taken by Vegas and then look at them since the Vegas thing, that line was, you know, remember Florida said, please take Marchessault and we'll give you Riley Smith. They created that line for them. And and Gerard like, I remember these guys. Yeah, bring them back. Bring them in. And that chip got created, and that was part of the reason why they were very good. A Hall of Fame netminder also helps, so they need to be smart with their goalie pick. But everybody did kind of have that misfits, you know, they didn't, nobody wanted us mentality. And if if Haxtell can, can cultivate that, Seattle, I, I would be shocked if they're down around the 20 win mark, because I think that thought process from players is is really going to be help, help boost them up. 
Yeah, and there, there's like that's the biggest thing in all this that's gonna save Seattle this year. Not only save Seattle, but really help them out is the fact that it's a flat cap. Because you mentioned, you know, it's I don't say inflation, but the you know the cap goes up, numbers look better. Hey, if we were in quote unquote normal circumstances in two or three years, John Tavares's contract would be a good looking one, you would think. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. the Leafs are going Leafs and cap circumvention experts Tampa Bay Lightning are in doo doo. Now, well, granted, I mean, Vegas, how many games did Vegas play without eighteen forwards, or eighteen players this year? Holy moly! Well, there I, was I mean, there was like three. Like they would have won the President's Trophy if they didn't play. I think there was a stretch in May. They played two or three in a row with fifteen skaters. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's teams around the league. I mean, this is one of the one of the few good things about being a Detroit fan right now is that cap, the the cap is not an issue in Detroit. There's not a lot of good players in Detroit, but the cap is not an issue. But the teams that are really good, how there's already teams that are over the cap for next year. You know, I, I, you know, we were just talking about this on, on, on the on the in the box podcast. We were looking a te- one of the four teams, and I forgot who we were looking at, already over the cap, and don't have enough players. <laughs> right. And I don't think it was Tampa. They are already over the cap with 17 players, so they need to get rid of or jettison or you know either buy out or hope Seattle takes. A contract and a million dollar contract isn't really going to be it. It's going to need to be a good player at a good contract cost. Right. And that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm holding off until the summer to to do the who's Seattle going to pick. Because obviously we've got to wait for the protected list to come out. Yeah. And there's because everyone, every team gets one player picked. Who yeah. knows who it's going to be? For, I mean, obviously, had that trade not happened with Washington, all signs were pointing that it was going to be Anthony Mantha. Because I don't know if Eisenman was going to want to protect him. Right. That's, that's a discussion for a later date. But I, I really, this is a, it's an interesting move by Seattle, but this is a franchise. I listened to Hockey Central earlier. Justin Bohr made a good point. This is a franchise that is willing to do things differently. You know, they, the way they've hired their analytical team, the fact that they're going to live, they're going to play in a barn that is, you know, green, completely a very, you know, energy friendly, not going to kill the earth kind of a building. And, you know, Ron Francis, who is a, you know, he's a, He's an older hockey guy. He, you know, he's he's got age on him. He's played in the old days, but it seems like, I mean, because he really helped build that Carolina team. While well, he's not there now, but you know, he's the you know drafted a lot of the young stars that are there now. It's a great point. So they have a good base. You know, we'll see what Hackstall does. I think just you know maybe, and I've heard a lot of horror stories with Philadelphia. Um, uh, oh gosh, who's their president? The one that fired Ron Hextall. It's not McFarland. It's um. Holmgren, Paul Holmgren. Yes, Paul Holmgren runs the team there. And I've heard some horror stories about him, so I can tell it's a little bit tough to maybe work in that organization, let alone play for that team. So maybe Hackstall will have a good run. Um, Another coaching hire, jumping quickly to the women's game here, Angela James, the Hall of Famer herself, is going to be alongside Mark Joslin on the Toronto Six bench in the National Women's Hockey League starting next year. So congratulations to her. Going to have an interesting season next year a full season hopefully next year in the nwhl we had some fun with uh with digit murphy coming on the show and covering the women's game there hopefully we'll see how it is in a little bit longer of a year let's jump now to the game that happened last night Mm -hmm. isles beat tampa and I, I, I hate to keep to my own horn, but I literally was talking to my Aunt Pat last night, and she's like, you think Tampa's going to win it tonight? And I'm like, no, there's no way the Islanders are going to lose their last game at Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> there's a great chance they're going to lose tomorrow night in Tampa. But if you think they're going to lose that game, because I'm pretty sure, Thomas, when they went down 2 nothing, Barry Trotz in the TV timeout that followed or right, before, or right after the goal, he said, guys, 
if you want to walk out of here with your, you know, without getting whacked by any of these fans, you will come back and win this hockey game, right? Yeah, I, it was in, in you know, to give up the second goal in a particularly backbreaking fashion when you had a five on three, you're down right. one, you have a five on three, you get a chance to tie it, you don't score. They generated some chances. I don't, I don't remember there being a ton of great chances, but I could be misremembering that. Either way, you don't score and then it was pretty shortly after that you know minute two minute or one two minutes after that they get the Kalorn goal to make it two nothing that's backbreaking kind of stuff that's tough stuff to 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 come back from so you got to give it to the islanders and trots and that whole that whole team for a mental toughness to come back it was big because the three events happened pretty quickly because they were not down to nothing for long. If I remember correctly, I believe Everly scored pretty shortly after Kalorn did. Yeah. It was, I think it was right before they would have taken the second T or maybe I don't remember if they took a TV time. I didn't watch the whole game wire to wire. I watched the majority sure. of it, but cause I I'm pulling the morning shift this week at the radio station. So gotcha. I'm on about three hours of sleep. I gotcha. I hear you. We, but, were, um, we were actually recording during the game. So we're like half watching, half doing it. So oh, I, that's, I get it. That's why I miss doing uh, that's why last year was so much fun. We do the two shows a week. We start at six o'clock and there's a five thirty game on or a four o'clock game on. We just watch it in here. It was fun. But you know, um, it, it was I mean, it, it was just to throw that in. I, last year was very enjoyable with that, with with some afternoon playoff hockey. I, I obviously now that, you know, the world's kind of getting back to normal and people are at work. I, I agree and understand why they're not doing it. But it was it was fun for the year that we had it. That's for sure. That's why I'm excited for the Olympics, man. I'm going to be at work at 9 a.m. I'm just going to have my laptop open and watch handball between okay. Hungary and Turkey. I don't care. It's going to be fun to go. watch stuff all day. But, no, jumping back to the game here, that goal by Everly. Well, first of all, but we'll get to the Islanders' comeback here. Can we just talk about how Braden Point is probably the best playoff performer of the last, what, three or four years, excluding 2019? Like, the last couple of years, he has been money for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, I mean, this just then, good players make other players good. And he's done in in because there was a graphic showing most assists in a two over a two-year playoff stretch and third on the list after Gretzky, Gretzky was Kucherov. <laughs> so you put Point and Kucherov together, two guys that both have both the ability to both score and dish, and this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and good on him taking advantage. I'm not trying to take anything away from Braden Point. I don't want to take anything away from Nikita Kucherov because individually they're both very good. But when you put that level of talent together, um, it just unbelievable things are going to happen, like scoring in nine straight playoff games. Yeah. It's it's just it's an it's an, you know that's I think when you talk to and again sorry to spin it local, but when you talk to, to Red Wings fans. That's what they want more than, you know, a first round pick. They're like, who's going to be the third round Braden point? Yep. That's what I, you know, everybody wants. Who can, who can we get? Who's going to be that third round guy that ends up being really probably, I think, conservatively a top 25 player in the league? Yeah, it's, and that's, that's a great question for um, our good friends over at Access Hockey. Am I Rachel and Janae Anderson? I always talk to him like, oh man. What about the first round pick this year for the Wings? Who cares? Let's talk yeah. about their sixth round pick. Guy yeah, that I mean, guy that can, no one can pronounce his name from, you know, from Denmark. That's the guy we got to look at. But then again, that's to the point. Like a lot of the Red Wings, they always 
tout how Nick Lidstrom was not a high round pick. Pavel Datsuk literally got picked up off the sidewalk at the end of the draft in 98. I mean, that's how they had to do it back in those days when they were consistently making the playoffs. Yeah. And so, and, and all, and now it's the, you know, all teams are in Europe. That was the, that was Detroit's in at that time. They were kind of the first, one of the first to be in Europe and be in Russia doing that, that scouting. Now it's, you know, those elite leagues are, are, are well watched by all. So they've lost their, their, their lone edge there, but you know, points in North American kid, you know, there was no, no European involved in that. So I, I think what 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 people may have learned from Point and, and and guys like Johnny Goudreau is don't necessarily be afraid of the five six five seven five eight guy. You don't necessarily need it. He doesn't have to be six one at eighteen to to make it. And I think that that's really the lesson to learn that you're going to learn from Braden Point and and other and players kind of like in that ilk. And let's be honest. And now there is the whole thing with Johnny Hockey in the playoffs. Thankfully, Calgary didn't make it this year, so we didn't have to go down that road again. Just giving yeah. the numbers here, point leads in goals with 14. And like you said, he scored in nine straight games. If he scores tomorrow night, as I knock on wood, he ties Reggie Leach for the most consecutive yeah. games with a goal scored in playoff history. And I believe that Leach did that in the 1976 playoffs because that was the year he was the first Conn Smythe Trophy winner to ever win it for the losing team. That was the year they lost to Montreal. But you mentioned Kucherov, 22 assists, which leads all skaters 27 points that leads all skaters second holy mo i didn't realize this <laughs> tampa has the top six scores in yeah. the postseason now granted it helps when you win eight nothing in a playoff yeah. game the worst sure. playoff loss in the history of the new york islanders but Braden point has 20 points kucherov has 27 kucherov like i said has 22 victor hedman has 15 point or assist like there is a gap and that's why Kucherov leaving in the first period last night after the collision with Matthew Barzell but let's be honest Thomas it was the cross check thrown by Scotty Mayfield who ended up scoring the tying goal in the third period and you know I've I don't make call me an old fart and you and I I mean you're you're a little bit older than I am Thomas but we kind of grew up in that 90s dead puck era where sure. you could slash, you could hold them up. Yeah. Like the game, I mean, there's a reason why Sergei Fedorov looked like the fastest player in the world because A, well, he was, and B, everyone else was moving in sand. Yeah. That's how the game was back in those days. Now we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, that's a hard cross check, but do you think people are overreacting today, Thomas, because Mayfield caught him like the kidney? Yeah. You know, do you um, think if if he doesn't leave the game, if he just cross checks him hard and you know in the corner, puts him like in his pants or in his in chest protector, and he's fine, he's just annoyed. Maybe slashes him back. Nothing else happens, but he leaves the game and is questionable for tomorrow night. Do you think that is why people are up in arms about the non-call on that cross check by Mayfield? Well, it so the two two things to that. One is you know, and I don't know if you have this as something to come across. Like the officiating has been has been bad. Horrible. Like um, pl- there's playoffs. There's playoff. I get it. There's playoff officiating. Yep. And we are through the floor now. Yeah. And, and, and I feel okay. Cause I don't really have a, an overwhelming dog or, 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 or horse in this race. You know, the four teams, I I'm kind of indifferent as to who ends up winning the, the cup out of, out of these four teams. I don't really have a strong lead. I can make an argument for all of them. I can make an argument against all of them. So I feel like now is the time where I can safely bring up the, 
the awful officiating and and also because of its inconsistent and 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 again balls and strikes be consistent yep and and what's a penalty and what's not be, be consistent. consistent and it yeah. and it hasn't been and you know in to so to their credit they kind of established that what what a penalty was going to be and that was not going to be a penalty should it have been i mean i i feel like in in addition to the numbers in the head, that area is one of the most dangerous areas to get cross-checked because the padding is the lightest. Yep. But I also feel like the majority of the time, unless it's a, a boarding situation, which Kucherov was, it wasn't, wasn't really a board. Like Kucherov wasn't launched into the board. That's never going to be. It was just good. Yeah. And it was, it was enough where like, it was like Kucherov was technically like almost like skating away from him and he hit him from the side. It wasn't knocking him into the board. So it didn't surprise me that there's not a penalty call. Um, yeah. The up in arms, you know, I did some scrolling through through social media, and I didn't. That's I dangerous. personally didn't. See, I'm sorry. That's dangerous. Yeah, I know, but I personally didn't see a lot of up in arms, and I think that's because NBC did such a job of putting it on him going to hit Barzell and that looking odd. And then after four or five replays of that, then they come back to, oh, we also found this check by Mayfield. Yeah. And so you you wonder and the thing that goes through my mind talking this out is, all right, well, if he really got hurt in the Mayfield check, then why would he go try to lay another check into somebody? Adrenaline. Adrenaline probably. Uh, and and that's and that's fair. But it's I the moral of the story to kind of get down to the point of the question is getting upset that there was no penalty call. Yeah, sure. You pick pick up pick a moment in any game and that the penalty wasn't called that you want. I get it. I, I I wouldn't have expected a penalty, and you never know when a guy's going to get hurt from a non-penalized play. So you know it, but it's also if that was the Wings in Game Six, and we had a closeout opportunity, and that happens to um, Larkin, who I guess would be the best player on the team right now, I'm probably screaming at you right now. Right. But as a new for a neutral team, it wasn't boarding, and I feel like that's how those cross checks get called. Those get called to be boarding, not as just a cross check to the to the side, if that makes any sense. Or if he was if he was knocked down, I think if he gets knocked down. It's a different conversation yeah, as well. That could as well. Yeah, that's a fair point. And that's why I, that's why I'm like as angry as I am that the Leafs keep getting knocked out. At least like you know in the first round, at least the second, third, and Stanley Cup Finals, I can just enjoy it, and I don't have to yeah. have a heart attack or a scream or whatever. But you know, yeah, and. That's why I think people are like, you know, should the, you know, should the rule book be called and whatnot? And, and I've had this conversation many a times, of course, it all, you know, really got blown out of proportion with the Tim Peel saga and whatnot. I sh- ironically enough against the Red Wings, but yeah. I just remember saying, I'm like, listen, if you called the rule book, there'd be a penalty on every play, but then there is the, oh, the players will learn. I'm like, have you ever watched a men's league shinny at Friday morning at 9 a.m. when there is no checking your body contact? It's boring AF. That's because right. you don't want that to happen. So it's like, it's a mixture of, yes, you want players to stay healthy and you don't want this stuff to happen, but it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen literally guys get, you know, sticks right up in the face. They keep going, shoot. Now, yes, the the one that I remember is the Corey Perry high stick in, in game four or game three, excuse me. Everyone remembers that because his face was blast open to smithereens and it got not called. And yes, I'd be, cause that's a, it's an injury then. And it was a definite infraction that should be called. It's so hard though to say, all right, that's just a cross check in a corner and a corner battle. He got hit in a weird spot. 
what can we do? Barzell going after a guy's face in game five. Yes, that is a penalty and a fine. You yeah. pay that $5,000, even though it's literally 10 cents to a guy like Barzell. But that's neither here nor there. You know, it's because, I mean, you just, and I don't remember what game it was, but there was a, and I think it, I'm pretty sure it was actually Tampa and, and New York where there was a puck in puck battle along the board and just vicious, you know, three a row right into the small of the back, not called. And in, even in the regular season, I don't think they get called because board battles are given more leeway than a lot of things. What, what I, what I'm kind of a fan of and, and, you know, say what you will about Pierre Maguire. Um, Cause I know some love him, some hate him. And then there's everywhere in between, but he's been known to say, you know, there's the establishment penalty and it's true. Right. It, the first penalty of the game, if it's called early enough, you go, okay, that's the standard. Okay. The, you just, told the guys what the standard of this game is going to be. And there are times where when, if you really watch after an early penalty and you get that standard, there can still be physical play in that game, but then it's not crossed. And I think that I'm not advocating a standard penalty just to get it done, just to, just to have a penalty. Wish I could call a penalty there on Nashville. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not asking for that, but at the first point when you really get something that you, you know, that's there, Go ahead and make the call. Go ahead yeah. and make the call. Yeah, and that that's and that's the hard part in all this. And you know, there was there was a great article that was put on the athletic. I forgot who wrote it. it wasn't Lecision. I don't think it was McIndo. I think it was actually no, it was Sean McIndo, I believe. Down goes Brown. He was asking, where is Wes McCauley? Because nobody's saying anything, because that's yeah. been one of the big absences. He was he was he worked through round two from what I read and what uh, it was reported is that he's not injured, and I wonder you know what what the deal is because Wes McCauley is widely one of the most respected officials him and Kelly Sutherland are probably the two best and I say Kelly Sutherland lightly that's how good Wes McCauley is sure and Kelly Sutherland and I he's not quite you know Carrie Frazier bad yet but it's uh he's maybe this generation's Frazier <laughs> but um like you wonder if you know and that's why you wonder if something's wrong with McCauley you hope not you hope he's doing well because boy we need a good officiating crew for the yeah. Stanley Cup finals because the lat and that's what people were screaming about if Kucherov can't go for game seven and you know knock on wood the Habs do the thing tonight or to and Saturday all of a sudden once again the Habs are taking on a team without a star center because you know Chandler Stevenson was out for Vegas in their series Mark Shifley decided to try to take a take the head off of Jake Evans and John Tavares had an accident in the game one against Toronto. They haven't really faced a number one or number like a one, two center punch. And all of a sudden Kucherov would be out for game seven and be out for the finals if they make it there or whatever. And it's going to, it'd be weird, but you know, going into, so going into tomorrow night's game, Anthony Beauvillier, by the way, got the game winning goal in overtime, just making Blake Coleman look like a bum with an awful pass. You never go up the middle in your own zone. If there's a guy there, Yeah, not much Vasilevsky could have done on that one. So we go to game seven tomorrow night, Thomas, I, you know, as crazy as it is, as emotional as that game was for the Islanders, like you see it all the time. You see it where teams can come back a, I E the Habs coming back from three, one against Toronto. But there was so much that went into that game six for the Islanders at home in front of at, at the Collie Chris literally. Okay. I'll say this right now. If you want to know how crazy that game was, 
I listen. I will listen to the radio at least during the playoffs of a radio broadcast of the game while I'm going to bed. You know, especially okay. since I have to be up early in the morning. Sure. And Chris King, friend of the show, I like to listen to him on uh, Hofstra Radio, Student Hofstra Radio. Um, I love the guys that do the national games. That's cool. But I just Chris King. He's by, He's a New York guy. He's from New York. He's an Islanders fan forever. But he's not like. He's not overbearing. Okay. He's not the Tampa guy. I don't want. I don't even know his name, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And. Chris King, God bless him, that Anthony Beauvillier has scored in overtime because I didn't set my alarm for yesterday, this morning. <laughs> and, and Anthony Beauvillier scores and Chris King goes off. And, but that was just the, the climax. And thankfully, I was like, oh, hey, I probably set my alarm. Thank you, Chris King, for saving my butt there. But <laughs> I remember, I, but that's how emotional that game was because he got so into it. And now Chris King does that anyways. He's an emotional guy. But it was the fact that that game was their game seven, I feel like. I feel like that was their game seven. And you know what? If there's enough left in the tank tomorrow night, awesome. But I just don't see Tampa, while they have lost at home during these playoffs, and they've done it a few times, I just feel like they're going to bounce back a lot better. But now, granted, this is assuming Kucherov's in the lineup. Kucherov's out? I may be wrong, Mr. Biondo. So, In a weird way, I almost feel like Kucherov in the lineup really shouldn't matter because at the end of the day, they played 55 games without him or 50-whatever-the-season was, and they ended up being third in their division. And the only reason why they fell to third was because they lost Stamkos for 20 games, too. So the Lightning are very – and let's face it, they went through the entire bubble last year without Stamkos and only had Kucherov. Because Zach Bogosian was their best defenseman. I know. So they have have – experience playing without one of their superstars. Um, so I, I will say that. I don't think that that would be the kiss of death. I, it obviously changes things, but it wouldn't be the kiss of death for the Lightning. Here's what I'll say about the Islanders. And what I I actually thought that they, that they had no shot yesterday, and I'll tell you why, is look at the way the series kind of boiled down to game in game four. Now, game four was, you know, the first three games relatively even, both on the scoreboard, final scores, they get the 3-0 lead. They, 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 they were pretty much run the first 30, 25, 30 minutes of that game. I think Tampa had like a 17-3 shot advantage. Yep. They have this explosion with the three goals, and it, they just dominate the rest of the period. They lead 3-0. I think it was 17-9 were the shots in that second period. Yeah, something ridiculous and, like that. And then they come, But then they give up. Tampa runs them for like for the first six minutes of the period. Then the Islanders come back and have some good shifts. Then Tampa nearly ties it. And then when they want to pull Vasilevsky, the Islanders pin him back. You get the unbelievable save by, by Pelic on, on the McDonough spinorama. And I just kind of felt like, how can you – that would have been fine. That I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have drawn any conclusions on. But then getting run 8 nothing, I was like, they, they, they ran out. That third period ran them out. Tampa yep. hit, hit a new gear. They're like, we're done fooling around. They cut the two nothing lead. Tampa comes out, gets the two nothing lead. So, you know, they had scored 11 straight goals or 12 straight goals because, you know, two and then eight and then two. And you just feel like there's no chance. And then here you go. They come back one more time. The supposed killer, a uh, serial killer who was supposed to be dead in the movie is back. Yeah. Ghostface yeah. is back and scream. And I just can't rule them out because everything that you said tells me they should be done. Yeah, right. And they use the last little bit of energy now to come back. Well, I thought they used the last little bit of energy to hang on to game four. 
and that wasn't the case. So, I mean, yes, if I was a gambling man, I'd put the money on Tampa, but I would have no surprise at all. Kucherov in, Kucherov out. I'd have no surprise at all if the Islanders won. Right, and that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I would not be surprised they won. I just, you know, if I had to make a pick, I would say Tampa at home in Game 7. Now, it is interesting, a little bit of historical information for you kids at home, the last Game 7 in the Final Four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Do you remember what it is, Thomas? Oh, good God. The last Game 7 in the Final Four of the playoffs. Well, I'll say yeah, this. It was, it was not the Finals. It was not the Finals. I'll give you, yeah, a, I'll yeah. give you a hint. Wasn't it, when it, wasn't it Dallas beating Vegas last year? No, that was five. Remember that? That was da- like no, Dallas that was, ran. That was a buzz ball. Yeah. That was a buzz ball, yeah. It, it, were, it was a close series, but Dallas was able to you know get Yeah, game quickly. one. Yeah. Oh, boy. So in the final four, so it wasn't that. Um, in 18, what, did it, or 19, did the, did the Blues need seven? I don't think the Blues needed seven. Oh, so game seven of the nine, uh, 19 Cup finals? Right. The one before that, though, was 2018 when – Barry Trotz and the Washington Capitals beat the Tampa Bay Lightning at Amelie. I see where you're Yeah, I see where So Trotz, the last time this happened, the Bolts lost on the road or at home to Barry Trotz. Now, yes, that was a team. That was the Washington team that was going to win that year. I'm happy they got did, so I don't have to worry about, you know, harping Ovi for never winning the cup or whatever. But, you know, history likes to repeat itself, Thomas. It's just going to be tough if they can do it again or if the Islanders can do it again and play maybe a couple more games there at the Coliseum. That would be, it would be fun, but it would be, it's going to be tough. It is. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's absolutely going to be really, it's going to be a tough ask to, to go into Tampa, but you bring up a good point where recent history shows that Tampa, the, the big players in Tampa haven't really changed much in three or four years. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it's been Kucherov and Stamkos and Hedman and Vasilevsky. You know, they lost to Columbus. They were on that 18 team. So there there's some some memories there that they needed. And yes, they obviously got through them and, and survived them and got to the Stanley Cup and won the Stanley Cup last year. But you never know when that's just going to creep up. But so it'll be it'll be interesting. Again, like you said, I, I'm I don't know. <laughs> I would be very boring because I think I would pick the home team in game seven no matter what. If I had to make a pick, and but there's no exception with this, I, I, I would per- pick Tampa, but no surprise if the honors get it done. No question about it, folks. We'll take a quick break here on 12 Hour Sports. When we come back, Thomas will stick around with us. We'll get you ready for tonight's game. Montreal can do the thing tonight. Well, not the thing, but a thing that could lead to the thing. And they get ready for game six at home at Santa Bell against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll take a quick pause. We'll be back with more of the Kula Show here on 12 Hour Sports. And welcome back to the Kuehl Show, everyone. Tyler Kuehl here alongside Thomas Beyond. <laughs> I had to see where the screen was at. I'm back here from In The Box Podcast. I know my nameplate's under him. He's that, no, Thomas Beyond is not Tyler Kuehl. Thomas is that guy. I am Tyler. So just look at my nameplate, or it's over here. Look at the nameplate and then, you know, diagonally cross it over to me. And I say that and people that are listening on the podcast form right now, the Kula Show, where they're listening on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, they're like, we don't see anything, Tyler. Yeah. You're literally wasting our time. Listen, I waste your time because you're listening to this podcast. Let's be honest. I, I got the Google Meet platform up, so I got you over me right now. We're not even next to each other. So That's true. Well, I had to make yeah. sure, I because listen, Thomas, if you know if we, if we go deep down narcissistic, Tyler, you know for a fact that you would, like if he was in control, you would be the little icon in the corner and it would just be me talking to you. Yeah. You know, exactly yeah. that's how it would be. 
Absolutely. So we just broke down Islanders and Bolts Game 7. We did that first for you folks, so if you want to catch the replay on the Kiel Show YouTube channel tomorrow, you can, or your favorite podcatcher as well, you can catch that first, because obviously if you're watching the replay or listening to the replay, the game that we're going to talk about right now live here on 12 Ounce Sports is going to be over with. Now, granted, you may like our conversation, and in that case, thank you very much. But like I said, if you missed that one here on 12 Ounce Sports, don't worry, folks. Just go check it out on the replay tomorrow. Also, we did talk about Dave Haxtall being hired by the Seattle Kraken and our takes on that. Check that out on the replay as well or your favorite podcast or wherever you get your podcasts, excuse me, because apparently podcatcher is not a word, Thomas. I thought, I thought it was in the Oxford Dictionary, but I guess not because everyone says wherever you get your podcast. I'm like, what's wrong with podcatcher? It sounds, ca- dare I say it sounds catchy. You, I mean, I see, call call Webster, get him on the phone, and see if you can't get a word created. Well, Webster is very like Oxford's more willing. Like Oxford is the connection between the Urban Dictionary and Merriam-Webster. Webster's like, nope, it's got to be a legitimate word, and we got to be told that by the Ivy Leaguers. Oxford's like, there's a guy that I forgot where I found like looked this up, or I saw it on a. This is only something that Tyler knows. I guarantee this. There's literally, there's literally a group of people, their jobs that work at the Oxford Dictionary is to go on to like the tabloids and the people magazines and whatever and find words that are not in there and get definitions for them to put in the Oxford (laughs) Dictionary. There's actually a job. And like that would be, it would be painful because I guarantee there's some days where like people are just dumb writing stuff and like they're just using every basic word ever. But, you know. I, I'm pretty sure, you know, for you Mean Girls fans, I don't know if fetch, if the definition of fetch that was used in Mean Girls is in the Oxford Dictionary, but it may be. <laughs> I love that you went Mean Girls. You're on a roll. I am. I am Breaking on, down the Oxford Dictionary and using fetch to do it. Using Good fetch. You, fetch may never happen, but it may be in the Oxford Dictionary. So I'm pretty Good sure that is a win. Let's let's jump in here. Cool Quest, thank you guys so much. Saying big game tonight. Big game for Canada as a whole. The Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Canada's team, despite what Toronto fans think about the CN Tower and Niagara Falls getting lit up in red, white, and blue colors, they have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Finals if they win tonight at the Bell Center against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, this was a series that after Robin Leonard won game four, you and I say Robin Leonard won game four because sure. I, I don't see any possible reason why Vegas wins if he doesn't make some big saves there early. Mm-hmm. They win game four, but then they go back for games five in Vegas. And it's like, how can you lose this game? Now, Thomas, the there was a little bit of a controversial decision. Now, granted, Leonard starting game four was controversial. Mm-hmm. Flurry going back in net in game five was even more controversial given how Leonard played. But watching that game back, I don't think Flurry played bad in the no, loss, the four one loss to the Cavs. I didn't, I didn't really either. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny it, to, that you mentioned that because, you know, we were talking about how in the eight goals that the Islanders gave up, we didn't think that there was one bad goal in that. Yeah. And that was kind of how, you know, I felt kind of the same way with flurry. It was a, it was a gutsy move. I mean, I feel like anytime you, you go with a goaltender, you make a goalie switch, the goaltender that you bring in plays well, steals a game for you. And then to go back, it's it's a risky move, and but that's the thing. When you have supreme confidence in two net minders, you can get away with that. And, right. and though it seems odd to us, I mean, they have gone back and forth with those two guys pretty much the entire season. Yep. Um, 
Leonard was There's hurt early on. Leonard was hurt early on in the playoffs. That's yep. why Flurry was the go-to guy because it probably would have yep. been Leonard. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, so well, I don't know because I mean, Flurry finally got nominated for the Vesna, so may, uh, he might well, have gotten the night than that opening night. But but that's the thing; it, it would have been a real debate, and I don't think anybody would have been mad either way. I the situation as it boiled down was weird. Again, I don't really feel like uh, you know you're pointing at Flurry as the fault. I think, I mean. Again, go to the if you watch the broadcast of, of NBC and then they did it again last night, just kept showing it. You know, Mark Stone trying to create something shorthanded, turning the puck over after gaining the blue line, leading to an odd man rush. I mean, th- that can't happen. That exactly. just can't happen. And 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 I and I respect what he's trying to do, but that's a kind of play that just cannot you can't give up and and led to the odd man rush and i think that was the third goal if i remember correctly yes uh, the, it was the third goal it was the yeah i believe that that led to the third goal which was obviously backbreaking and i mean this whole series really does is it, almost it's both it's very weird but it's simple to boil down is the fact that the the vegas power play has been useless over 13 and and really the loss of stevenson really created a lot of issues to that Vegas roster because Pacioretty and Stone have looked lost in the three games without him because they were going with Roy, who should be a raw, who should be a third line center yep. and Tuck, who should be a winger as a center Iceman. And it just, they, ha- they have not looked good since. It looks like, and I don't know if you can remember this too well, but the 17 final when Colton, when Ryan, Johan- Ryan Johansson got hurt for Nashville during their playoff run, and Colton Sissons was the first line center for the Preds against Sidney Crosby. The fact that series went six games, looking back on it now, was because Pecorine played well at home, and Carrie Underwood was, you know, bringing, you know, giving good juju to Mike to her husband's team. That's literally how that series played out. I, I, I don't, I don't remember Johansson getting hurt. I do remember Pecorine played six bad minutes. Um, he played three bad minutes in game one. And, and Pittsburgh scored three times and he gave gave up three and played three bad minutes in game two and gave up three goals. Turn those around. If he makes better saves, the Pitt, Nashville probably wins that series, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. But Or a quick whistle to in game six. But you know what? Peyton Turner yeah, yeah, sure. does not remember that at all. Sure, there's that too. But um, but yeah, it's, you know, for all the, the cap issues that Vegas has and all the bodies that they've run in and out of that team, it's kind of funny maybe not funny that a, a number one center is still on their wish list yep. and they have absolutely no money to go out and get it. And that's why I think to myself, I'm like, you know what? Petrangelo's played better this postseason than he did during the regular season, but that's eight years, Thomas. It's yeah, eight I, years of an older Petrangelo. I, I had that same thought. Um, I, I think I, I'm sure a lot of hockey people had that thought of that. What defensively, that wasn't your problem. That's nearly never. Yeah, yes, you have this this choking forecheck when it's going, but there was an abundant. I, I there to me there was an obvious hole in your roster, and it wasn't anywhere defensively. It was who's centering Petrietti and Stone, and I, and I think that they they answered that question by sending Petrangelo, and that was kind of a weird thing. Yeah. No, it's hilarious we say that, but Nicholas Waugh scored the game winner in game four. And but, Petrangelo's probably been their best player throughout the playoffs run. Yeah, no question. Like I said, that's why I say so, I, I watch him and I'm like, you know what? Because I, I grilled every time Petrangelo came up on the show. I'm like, this was the dumbest thing Vegas could have done. Like yeah. when he got embarrassed by McKinnon at the outdoor game there at Lake Tahoe, when he, right. he said, oh, this is bad. 
And I'm like, well, yeah, because you can't stop the best player in the league, even though you're one of the best defensemen and one of the highest paid defensemen in this league. Now, that's not Eric Carlson, but that's another conversation for San Jose when we actually get to a point where they're worth talking about again. But, you know, this is, you know, we go to game six tonight in Montreal, that game in general, like they were outshot 27-25, Thomas. You could not tell that they were getting brutally outplayed, though. It, right. you know, and now this is mainly because Carey Price never seems like he's ever flustered anymore. That's just the yeah. style that he's played, which is so much fun to watch for me. I've idolized it, can never master it, hence why I'm doing this now. But that's <laughs> like he's, <laughs> but it never looked like Montreal was getting outplayed. Now, like I said, Carey Price was playing well, I ended up making 26 saves in the win. But Montreal limited the high dangerous scoring chances on the road, which is a, something that doesn't happen too often with the Habs, especially at least in this series. So you, you kind of, there really is with hockey. And, and, and I think what you've seen in the Colorado series versus this series is the, the importance of sometimes it's not how you're playing. It sometimes is who you're playing. Vegas was more equipped to get into a track meet. And that's what Colorado wanted. You know, Kale McCarr was as likely to be, below the red line as he was at his blue line for offense in the offensive zone. And what happens if it's turned over Vegas could run. And that was their strength. Montreal isn't going to play that game. No Weber and Petrie they're They they can, they can be offensive, but they're not going to be spending shifts below the red line. They're going to stay home. They're going to be smart. Their, their forwards are going to back check. It's, it's much tighter for Montreal. And I think that's what is kind of squeezing Vegas into this. It's create, that's what's creating the problem. You know, you could, they could race end end with Colorado. That's how they beat them for straight. Yeah. Montreal is going to be like, they know, okay, carry price is our strength. If we pack it in around this guy, we have a chance and that's what they're doing. And I think that's why Vegas is struggling. And it helps that the kids are playing well too. And I was, when I was talking to my aunt last night, she's been watching hockey forever I said this, and I and I may have sounded a little overzealous when I said this, but I, I feel like there's some merit to it. Nick Suzuki has the tools, and he's really showed me in these playoffs that he can be the next Patrice Bergeron. He can be. I said yesterday that he is the next, but I'm like, you know what? He can be because he's right. really shown me that he can be a two-way center. He can produce offense. He can give – I mean, let's be honest. If all I had to do was give Cole Caulfield the puck, I'd pick up a few assists myself. Sure. He's the Holby Baker sure. award winner for a reason, yep. but he's played well in his own zone because I'm pretty sure Dominic Ducharme, even from afar now, is probably saying, listen, you ha- you can score. You showed that. You can do that in junior. You show it now. Let's play in our own zone. And he's developed that over the season, and it's really been highlighted in these playoffs. Yeah, and, and Suzuki, and what Montreal, too, is doing right so much better than Vegas is – four lines that are da- dangerous enough to score Vegas. If they get into a situation where they need, you know, uh, Roy and Reeves and, or Ra and Reeves and Colazar to get goals, they're in trouble. But for when you look at Montreal and, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to try to portray something that, that isn't true. I picked Toronto to beat Montreal in that first round series. And I'm I, didn't, on- I didn't pick, but I was, Hoping not, that was the case. You can you can find audio of Toronto mate of me picking Toronto. But what I always did say is I don't necessarily get how Montreal was so average because they're tough to play against. They have an all-world goaltender. They got four defensemen that can play and have played 
in overtime game, between overtime games, 28 to 32 minutes a night. And now they've got four lines where you're not beating Dino in the face-off circle. And when you do, Letkinen's playing just as good defensively. Yep. Um, Suzuki and Caulfield and Anderson are, are, are dangerous, but also responsible. The old, you know, the kind of, you know, I go two goats in a kid line with, with, with Perry and, and I, I, you know, Armia isn't even really a kid, but Perry and, and Stahl, they chip in, they look good. They press, you know, and, and Kotkaniemi and his line has, has done a good job. All, this is a, a full team, 18 guys, maybe just 17, because I know their, their last defensive pair isn't playing a lot, but, but that full team attack and that full team approach you know, I've kind of said I thought Montreal had a better roster than what they showed. I didn't think they were going to be Toronto, but I liked their roster more than what it showed. And 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 sure enough, starting in Game Five against the or in Game yeah, starting in Game Five against the Leafs, it's it's shown up and worked out for them. I, you know, we had when I mentioned this a couple of times since then, when we had Kyle Bakaskis on from Hockey Night, he said the Canadians are going to go as far as Carey Price takes them, yeah. which is true. And it, that's why I was literally terrified during game four because it was a game four or game five and 14. And I, it's one of those two games where Chris Kreider ran into Carey Price because he forgot how to skate. Not because he got pushed in. I don't want any Rangers fans telling me otherwise. Chris Kreider just doesn't know how to skate. And that was the end of it. So I was waiting for that in this series. I'm not going to wait that it doesn't happen. But he's been efficient. But the team in front of him has been playing well too because you know, that 14 team, while you know they it was Carey Price MVP caliber Carey Price, Carey Price all world goaltender, they had guys like Dale Weiss, you know, yeah. putting up big goals, and you had Max Pacioretty was on that team, and that was like that was a a real good team. The same thing with this year's too, but I think the the biggest key that we're I don't say we're not talking about or people are ignoring Montreal. The word need and score and first, those three words need to go together in the same yeah. sentence because this team, they have scored for. Could you guess how many times they've scored first in the postseason, Thomas? Well, I'm looking at your cheat sheet, so I'm going to oh, check. Dang it. I'm going to trust That's that right. you're right, and I'm going to go with they have scored first twelve times in this postseason. That is true. They okay. they are ten and two when yes. scoring first. Their two losses. Game four against Vegas, the game when Robin Leonard stole it the rest of the way. And I believe it was game three against Toronto. No, it was game two against Toronto. That was the first game Toronto won in that series. They have won, they win 10 and two. One in three, though, when they have not. The one win was game three against Vegas, the come from behind win there. So it's, it's so weird to think. And I remember I mentioned this and I'm like, man, if Vegas scores first, it's going to be tough. But then I get proven wrong. But it's like, Montreal, they play that game where it's, all right, we have 20 minutes. Let's get after it. Yeah. Get the lead because, like you mentioned, how they, the like Petrie, Weber, they're not going to go up and down the ice like madmen. They're going to be like, all right, let's sit back. And if they get that first goal when they don't need to open things up, because that's what happened in game one of this series against Vegas. Shea Theodore scores first, and, like, and Montreal's like, crap, now we got to try to yeah, take chances. You're chasing the game. Exactly. Yeah, Montreal's not good at that. So if the Canadians score first tonight, I'm not saying it's a shoe-in that they're going to win, but this is a team that loves to play with the lead and teams that win that big silver trophy, the 35-plus pound trophy at the end of the year, Thomas, they know how to close games out and play with leads no matter how big or how small. Yeah, and, and I mean, that that's it in a nutshell, Tyler. I mean, it really is when it comes down to it. And 
and, and it goes back to what I said about, you know, the versus Colorado, you know, Vegas versus Colorado versus Vegas versus Montreal is that style of play. It's you, you will excel if you can dictate your style, what you're good at. That's what, that's one of the wonderful things that the Islanders do. They, they're going to run you through the board. They're going to make life hell on you. It's one of the good things Tampa do. We're going to just going to try to, we're going to try to finesse by you. It's, and it's what Montreal does is, okay, we need to score first. And if we do score first, we are just going to go into full shutdown mode. And we'll take our chances if they show up. But we're going to go into full shutdown mode because we know we've got a goaltender that can win a hockey game one to nothing or 2-1. to Because I'm trying to think now. They score first, Montreal did in game five. How many guys do you think were in the zone for the second and third goals? I'm pretty Because I know Caulfield was a power play goal, but it was on a rush. It was off the rush. And Stalls just came off the bench. And I'm like, were well, there three, even three Canadians in the zone? Like, they're not. No, they, they were in the middle of a change, so they probably weren't. They were, and they were probably sitting I'm like, all right, we're in a change. You know, Stahl, yeah, you go ahead and forecheck. The rest of us will just sit back here in the neutral zone. Because it was during the second period, too. And I I don't think there's a game that goes by, Thomas, that we don't mention the long change in the second period. I, I know I always mention at least once, but that's just how the game is. Yeah, well, it's that important. At the end of the day, it really is that important. Why, why do you think why do you think the Olympic ice is so bad? Because that's an extra five or six feet. That's that's a it's a game changer. Well, I, I mean, go back to I, what was it? The game. It was the game four with the Islanders and Lightning. I believe that there were three times in that second period where the Lightning got pinned for two plus minutes in their own zone. Oh, um, was it Bogosian or Hedman that had like a three minute shift or something uh, ridiculous? Because Olchek like. There was a play going on. Kenny Albert would say something, but after everything Kenny said, Olchek was like, he's yes. still out there. I think it yes. was. Or it wasn't Bego- um, wasn't you Begosian. said Bogosian. I, I mean, no, I, it wasn't Bogosian. Um, Christ. Sir, was it Sergachev? It could have been Sergachev. Gosh, I couldn't. That's the that's the hard part is I'd have to go into a deep dive on either NHL.com or hockey reference or whatever to find like shift by shifts because. Right. Now that's that is the one thing. NBC's going out with a bang, Thomas, because they will do that where they will show how long guys have been on the ice. Like they'll show the five that are out there. Cause I don't I don't know if they do this at Little Caesars. I know they do it in Toronto, where if you look underneath the Jumbotron, if you're sitting low enough, you can see the lines that are the guys that are on the ice and how long they've been out there and what their total is. I don't know if they do that at LCA. Um, I do not know. They they definitely do the game total. I don't know. I don't remember if they do the shift total. Right. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying I don't remember if they don't do the, if they do the shift total or not. Yeah. Now, granted, half the time when I'm watching the game at LCA, I'm usually looking, you know, at the ice. Except when I was at the GLI, where literally the press box is so high, literally I can see over the top of that big old jumbotron. But yeah, I you know. can't wait to get back into that building. My next year, man. Next year, Thomas. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah. I, if I don't, if I don't find a job, I'm just gonna go. I. You know what? I may do it if I don't find a job next year, Thomas. 32 barns. I'm I'm and the border's going to be open. I there you go. That's a good use of your wife's money. Hey, I'm making a good chunk of change writing now, so I can literally quit my job at the radio station which pays and me. There like, you go. So then what so let's stop this talk about you not having a job cuz clearly well, you okay. have. you I mean like you know what I mean, like a like a broadcasting I job. I know. I know. We're live outside Centrebelle in Montreal for another episode of the Oh my gosh, a traveling road show. It's going to be sick. It's going to be great. Yay! Go Tyler! <laughs> Thomas, you'll be there for the Detroit show. I don't know where we're going to stand outside because I'll be honest with you. I, you know, It's getting better in Detroit, but it's like 
I don't know if I want to stand on the sidewalk and do a show and people walk by because. But I got Chevy Plaza. They created something. Okay. Just, yeah. People don't, people don't, you don't think of it yet because they haven't had the big, you know, the, the successful team to show the, the packed house out there. That's true. You know, you know what we'll do, even though Little Caesars is big, we'll do it right outside. We'll do it in the middle. We'll do the Detroit Red Wings show, whoever they play. doesn't matter who. Because I'll be honest, the way the schedule would have to work, it wouldn't matter who which team plays. But sure. we we'll go to we'll go to Detroit, and we'll just to be dumb and stupid, we'll do it outside of Comerica in front of the Big Tiger out front. Just there to be you dumb. go. Just to be completely dumb. Like guys, See, the, the need, game is over there, but we're over here. Yeah, you just need to keep finding where you like find famous landmarks and cities, and that's where you do it. Don't worry about doing it at the rink. Doing it at the famous landmark in the city. Screw it. No, we're doing it on the we're doing it on the Ambassador Bridge. No, we're just going to stop traffic. Yeah, that's yeah. one we're not doing. I'm, you're, no, you're, everyone I'm, through the tunnel. You've just got me out. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. But, well, Thomas, game six tonight, eight o'clock. So in a little less than an hour from now, do we have a game seven? Do we have two game sevens? I mean, literally every show that we've had up until this point has been series is tied, both series at 1-1, both series at 2-2. Do we see both series at 3-3? I'm going to go no. I think Montreal does this. You think Montreal does the thing? Yeah, and I and it's because nothing Vegas doesn't have a move to make. They can't insert anybody into the lineup. They don't have you know, there's there's nothing that can save them. It's just got to be themselves and like I said, they even if Stevenson played, he played game 5 and it didn't make really that much of a difference. They didn't look that much better offensively. I I just I would feel a lot better if I knew who was scoring first, but at the end of the day, I think they have the Habs get it done. Leonard is in net for Vegas tonight. So there is that. I'm, I'm sure that doesn't really shock anybody yeah. just because of the fact that, you know, and I'm not saying, like I said, Flurry didn't play bad in game. He didn't play bad in game or didn't play bad in game five. He didn't play bad in game three. He just had no. an awful giveaway that ended up costing his team. What's he supposed to do on a two on O? Let's be yeah. honest. I, I mean, you're exactly right. And that's, that's the crazy thing about this series is that it, it could literally be, it could be over for both teams. Both teams could have won this series. If Vegas holds on there and takes a two, one lead, they very easily could win game four and then be closing out game five or be trying to close out tonight. Yep. In, in Montreal, you know, on, on their, on their end. Okay. The game one loss, but they played very well in the, in the what game three loss or the game. Game four loss. Yeah. Game four loss. Thank you. Yep. When Leonard literally, Stood on his head at times. Right. They could have damn near closed up the series on their end on that game. So it's 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 been a wild series. Normally wild series tend to go seven because the unpredictable happens, but I'm gonna go with what my gut tells me. My gut tells me it's gonna Montreal. I've seen boring series go seven. I've seen exciting I've seen four game series that have been exciting. Heck, Columbus beating Tampa was exciting, mainly because we did not think that was going to happen. But But the games were exciting to be yes. to be fair. I do remember those those games being exciting. Yeah, even with Victor Hedman at 50% the entire time. Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of those things where you just don't know what's going to happen. And and I remember I mentioned this last Thursday with Nick Alberga. If the Islanders can do it tomorrow and the Habs can do it against Vegas, it's going to be one of the worst watch, the worst ratings in the States for a Stanley Cup final in a long time. But Canada is going to go through the roof. And you are going to get a New York market, so it might not be as bad as you think. But the Long Island market, though, it, I know. it, it ain't if my OK, if it were the Rangers, well, if it's the Rangers, like I said, there's no problem. If it was Vegas, there's no problem. Tampa, Florida market, no problem. Don't don't forget hate watching. 
Rangers fans could could watch to want to see their their hate, uh, a team that they hate implode. They just want them to see them lose in the Stanley Cup Finals, something they have not been to since 1994. 94. I'll, or no, excuse me, sorry, 20, no, 2014. Duh, good lord. Now I say this and like one. 20, I'm sorry, yes, one haven't yeah. won since they haven't yeah. have won right. since 94. But then again, the Islanders haven't been to the finals since losing to this kid named Gretzky and his team named the Edmonton Oilers back in 1984. So, so nothing they should feel bad about. <laughs> exactly. We did have a vote today, uh, by the way, for the Habs and Knights. Not too many votes. However, it was just too ironic and too stupid. 67% voted for the Montreal Canadiens. So, yeah, that that's it's nice to have a little salt in the wound. I Even though I'm pulling for Curry Price, you don't need to do that, Habs fans or hockey twitter to me but we have been chatting here today with thomas biondo the captain of the tks5 timers club thomas thank you once again make sure you guys check out in the box podcast what what's uh what's uh where do you guys find all the, the box all of them all the, yeah so where you find us you will listen to us and then yeah. you go listen to the spotify google what is it spotify google play in the app store is that right? those are the, app, the big right, ones. apple podcast yeah, and then all of the the weird third party sites that you find or whatever. Be sure, sure. They, they record on Monday nights just like we do, so you can have a nice busy Tuesday to get your hockey knowledge in flux. Thomas, thank you once again. Make sure you follow him, guys, at Thomas Biondo One, the number one on Twitter, at Biondo TV on the Instagram, and of course, folks, make sure you follow us on the social medias at the Kula Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We will be back on Monday talking about the Stanley Cup Finals because it will be done by Saturday no matter what. Even if Vegas forces it there, their Game 7 is Saturday. Tomorrow, Tampa, New York. It's going to be interesting. Thomas, we'll catch you on down the road. We may need you for the Finals. We'll just have to wait and see. Thanks for for having me. But for the rest of you, thank you very much for watching this episode of The Cule Show. We'll see you all next time. Goodbye!